Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. I almost hate to use the word educational. Charles Staley. Phil Stevens. I guess I'm kind of the, uh, the dark horse here. And Rob Fortress Fortney. But there really is no secret. Thanks for listening. Iron Radio is brought to you in part by www.bingcolorprint.com. Business cards, flyers, banners, postcards, DVD packages, and more can be found there. Occasionally you'll see Phil make a comment on our Iron Radio listeners page. That's not spam. That might be something that you can save at bingcolorprint.com. Thanks. Welcome, ironradio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am a bodybuilder, and I am an exercise physiology and nutrition professor. Hey, folks. Rob Fortress Fortney here, uh, former editor at Mod- uh, Muscle Mike International, sorry, uh, former competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter, strength trainer. Uh, Phil Stevens, strength athlete, kind of across the board, founder of liftforhope.org and strength coach. Cool. Hey, today I want to do something topic-wise that uh, will tie into our contest that we put on. I just put it up on the Facebook uh, Iron Radio listeners page, but basically talking about what machines we like. Now, I think listeners already know, if you've listened to us for any length of time, that Fortress and Phil and and even myself, we're, we're not big machine guys, we're, you know, but there are some machines that are, are pretty sweet. So just to set this up, uh, we're going to talk about some of the stuff that we've seen, just those perfect, you know, sweet spot kind of machines over the years. And then we're going to have people call in. Uh, the number is 206-203-3798 or send an email uh, through www.ironradio.org and tell us what machines you think are really sweet. And then you basically get put into a pool and you can win some cool stuff. There's a couple of things I have set aside and we may set aside even more. So all you're going to do is when you call or send an email, you're just going to basically take the most interesting contest in the world approach and just say, I don't often stray from squats, benches, and pulls, but when I do, I prefer, and then let us know what that might be. Because like us, I'm sure most listeners don't, you know, often use machines, but when they do, what do you prefer? So uh, I'll start off just quickly and say there are a couple pieces of machinery that I've just really loved over the years. One I remember is a leg press. It's in Bob Bonham's gym in New York. Is that Strong and Shapely Fortress? Do you remember? I don't remember the name. Uh, but anyway, perfect leg press machine. I love it. It, it's you kind of sit on it and you push straight away from you. And again, I'm not a big leg press guy, but I like those low angle nebula leg presses that you can really load up with 12 or 1500 pounds too. Those are freaking sweet. So, uh, you know, it, it's fun. It's not only fun to put all that weight on, I guess, but they just feel. I know it hits my quads, you know, and my hamstrings and everything else just right when I when I use those. So, um, that's one. One for me. I mean, I've got some others, but I want to see what you guys think. What about you, Phil? Is there any is there any piece of machinery that you just really love? Uh, definitely, I am in the camp that I think a leg press is useful, especially for somebody like me. Um, I've used it a lot unilaterally on my bad leg because um, there's been times where you know we we actually put me on a 45 degree hack squat machine and I couldn't lift my own body with my my left leg. 
on a 40, so it was less than body weight because I was on 45 degree machines, but uh, I was squatting like 550. So it was like, man, if I wow. can get up to body weight, you know, a body weight squat with that leg, who knows what I could do. But, yeah. uh, so, you know, that's definitely one of them. Um, I don't know if you'd classify it as a machine, but I, I like the, the glued hand raises. Um, mm-hmm. I don't use them usually in a traditional form. Uh, usually I do a lot of static work on them. So I'll do, I'll do static ab work or static, you know, back work where I just hold in kind of a plank position but hanging out from basically my knees and feet are anchored and just holding out there for time that type of stuff. That's, yeah. That's definitely one of them that I do. Fortress I pretty much just, sorry? No, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say, I mean, my, I, I'm kind of with Phil too. I mean, in, after all these years, I've kind of re- come to realize how kind of useless the light press is in a lot of ways. Um, certainly there's a lot of people that, physique athletes, that get a heck of a lot out of it. But again, even that way, I think it's very individualized as far as how much you will get out of it. Because um, I know you could say this thing about squats in a lot of ways from a development standpoint. Um, and I, anyway, I'd like to say that a machine that I think is invaluable to strength athletes uh, as well as physique athletes is, is a leg curl, but a good leg curl. Um I know guys like Louis Simmons and that kind of, you know, poo-poo the whole thing and think it sucks and you might as well just do stiff legs and stuff. And But I actually don't agree with that. I think I've I've derived a lot of benefit from um, leg, the exercise leg curl, and I think, it, I think it's a great exercise um, for for developing behind the knee and kind of st- stabilizing the knee um, because it kind of, the torquing is so low on the hamstring. Um, but I think you also have to do them properly. I don't think a lot of people go as low as they should on that. And I don't think a lot of people control it as much as they should. Or and, um, but again, like there's certainly different worlds of differences between a good leg curl and a bad leg curl. I mean, um, I'm trying to think of specific names. I can't think of any specific ones, but I mean, I think everybody out there knows what I'm talking about. There's some that are, I think, more damaging than anything, um, and some that just have a great angle on them. So, it's funny that you brought that up. I was just when I went uh, back to Ohio for a little while, I was talking to Pep wall there the owner of bodybuilders and and he was talking about how he really loves nautilus leg extension and leg curl machines he's like you know they're they just hit the sweet spot just right you know i wish they still made those things so i don't know if you're thinking nautilus at all but that's something that pep liked anyway what's some of the stupidest machines you guys have seen well you know wait i want to add one more thing that i really like too i i haven't seen these and i don't know if you guys i'm have seen them, or I'm guessing you probably have, but one piece of machinery that I thought was really cool, and I've only seen this in like one or two places, was it's a standing calf raise. And I know you guys are thinking, oh, pff, calf, but you know, I gotta think about it. So it's a standing calf raise, but the shoulder pieces had little attachments laying next to this machine, and you could extend it out with like, you know, basically like bars out beyond the shoulder pads. And make it into like a donkey calf machine. And man, I love those things. I mean, I would torch my calves. I remember I was using one of those for an extended period of time. There was a guy walking behind me. He goes, Christ, Lowry, you have Christmas hams for calves. And maybe that's why I love it. I don't know. But it's, it's, it's one of those things you, you rarely see and you're like, Oh man, I wish there was more of those, you know? You know, I've always liked a lot of the cable machines. I think, honestly, I'm not totally against machines. I think they have their place a lot of times. If I'm injured or something, you know, or rehab, prehab type stuff, I've used a ton of, like, cable crossovers for 
external rotations and, you know, using them almost in a reverse, um, I guess you call it a reverse fly to do like a band pull-apart move, stuff like that. I used to do a ton of that stuff when I had access to the machine. And, uh, you know, I think it helped my shoulders a lot. Um, I never used them to really, I don't know, it was assistance type stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Where if I had the energy, I'd go do that. And But, um, you know, I do yeah, like some of the old point. bottle of things, but... I, I like what you said about, you know, using them for like external rotation stuff that it's not necessarily often used for. I'm sure we've all been in the gym at some point. And people are like, look, I doesn't know how to use that machine. It's like, no genius. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get something else out of this. I'm trying to squeeze something else out of this, you know, cable crossover here. Exactly. I mean, I've seen people on the lat pull downs, the old ones with the pad, and then, you know, they were actually people talking down on somebody that's doing actual natural glute ham raises from a lat pull-down machine saying, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's like, have you tried what he's doing? <laughs> Pretty damn tough right. move. Yeah. No matter, like I say, cables are, are in, in, invaluable. Those are one of the things that machines that have to be kind of every gym. You know, you have to yeah. have some low and high cables for sure. Yeah. Um. I was going to say, one thing I use from time to time is chest-supported rows. I don't know if you consider a machine like a T-bar row or some other kind of chest-supported row. I smoke yeah. my lower back so often that there's been times I go in the gym, it's like I can't I can't load up heavy bent over rows because my freaking lower back's shot. So it's like, I okay, I can either not train my upper back. From what exercise, sorry? Like a chest-supported row or something. Oh, okay. Like a T-ball yeah. row or some kind of chest support cable row or something like that. And, cause, you know, there's times if I go in and I'm hitting, you know, heavy sets of 650 plus on the deadlift, two days later, my back isn't going to like me doing, you know, bent over rows on a barbell at 315. It's just right. <laughs> not ready for that. Yeah. But, you know, so I think there's a time and place for them. I don't think it's the meat and potatoes of your, of your training, but, uh. Right. Yeah. I don't think anybody who's listening is going to be into the- apparatus and, you know, Phil and I kind of, you know, uh, you know giving a thumbs down to leg presses and stuff. I, I think a, a much better machine, if you're going to go the machine route for lower body, the hack squat, I, I just firmly believe in that exercise. Um, it, you know, if you're, again, if you're a bodybuilder and you just don't want to squat, um, I, I still think hack squat's much better than leg press. Well, it's yeah. somewhat loading your spine. I mean, you're, you've had pads on your shoulders. The thing, biggest thing I've seen problems with leg, leg presses is, you're sitting, and I've seen so many people bring it down to where their their lumbar's in flexion. And totally, it's not a good thing. You know? mm-hmm. No, it's true. Well, just by the nature of the whole um, exercise, unless you're incredibly flexible in that way, Lonnie is probably the most flexible of us three. But unless you are, it's very difficult to get enough depth on the leg press without rounding your back a little bit. Yeah. Um, or doing several sets before you can actually, you know, you kind of warm up enough that you can do that and. So I think, the very, again, to get the proper depth is very difficult but without kind of putting yourself in a compromised position in the lower yeah. back. And is it worth it? I mean, I don't know. But, I mean, I'll admit I had to, you know, like when I was training in Thailand, I had to get on that freaking machine Dennis James used to load up 2,000 pounds on or whatever and give it a try. But <laughs> You do. It's it's just fun. Yeah. So, but. <clears throat> no, I hear, I hear you, Rob. I With the, the whole leg press thing is – it's a yeah. I am pretty flexible, so I can do that. And I've actually made good progress using 
mixing leg presses with squats. I don't, I've never done just leg presses week after week for more than just a few weeks in a row. Of course, you know, you just, you know, you really can't, but, um, but yeah, as far as the lower back flexion and all that, I've strained my lower back, like, you know, that still nags at me a little once. And it wasn't with bent rows. It wasn't with squats. It was on a friggin' leg press. Well, it's funny you don't mention The worst. Did we lose you? Or did we lose me? I don't Hello. know. It sounds like a ghost is no, in the room. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, it, 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 now that you mentioned that, Lonnie, the, the, the worst knee injury um, that I've ever had was as a result of uh, several weeks trying to prioritize leg presses just to kind of see where I could go with it. And, uh, you know, I'm like you. I'm meticulous with my form and technique and so forth. And, uh, yeah, I kind of start my, – my knees start getting racked up. So I think it's also very deceiving. Um, as everybody kind of knows, for a pure strength athlete, um, you know, uh, it, the leg press strength can uh, give you a really false sense of performance ability under a squat bar. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we we all know that, you know, oh, yeah. the average person can leg press twice what they can squat. and Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and a well-trained athlete could probably leg press three or four times what they can squat. So, um, you know, and you hear people say, I want to get my squats to do a lot of leg pressing. And I really don't think, and again, this is just, you know, just my observations about my own training. It doesn't, and, and other guys too, it, it doesn't seem to have a lot of direct transfer. I mean, it doesn't matter how strong your legs are. If you can't, it's like punching somebody, you know, in the face versus punching the face with a pillow in between it. You know, if you, if you got all that, pressing power in your legs, but you, but you haven't kind of, you know, like in, in an equal way developed all through the trunk of your body and so forth, the ability to transfer all that power up through, you know, down through the floor from your shoulders all the way down. It doesn't really matter how strong your legs are. I mean, you need yeah. strong legs, but like, again, you need to kind of develop in it, everything in synergy with one another and in equality with one another. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. You know, the research is going to bear that out. I, I, I've seen EMG work and speculation on hypertrophy where they were saying that, you know, the squats are superior. And that's not news to a lot of, I think, experienced lifters anyway. And plus, it's so misleading, like you said, because if the angle is low, like I like those low angle nebula leg presses because they're so freaking heavy duty. It looks like something that belongs in like an aircraft uh, hangar or something. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you've got all that weight on there and it's not really weight on you. I mean, look at the angle. It's only like a, I don't know, a 35 degree angle or less. I don't know. So it's just not that, that big of a deal, you know, but I have made good hypertrophy progress. We had a kid the other day that, uh, he was swearing that he could, you know, I can, I can leg press 750. And the kid was 120 pounds dripping wet. And somebody bet him, well, I bet you can't squat 500. And sadly, the kid, <laughs> they put 500 to the bar. Oh, Christ. Out, and I mean, his hips were shaking like Elvis, and he just, oh, <laughs> hit the freaking pin. Oh, no. Well, that's yeah, a perfect example of what I'm saying about kind of the whole yeah. kind of false sense of what your abilities are under a bar. I mean, yeah. you know, you get these guys who are all pumped up and, you know, for weeks on end, they're, you know, loading up the leg press with, you know, 800,000, 1,200 pounds, doing half reps and screaming and grunting. And, you know, a few months later, you know, somebody says, hey, come on over here to squat. And they think that they can even squat 315. And it's just, it's just no go, man. Just one. Well, we're on kind of the same subject. What do you think about, um, I think it'll kind of tie in a bit, using things at times like knee wraps or wrist wraps and this and that? 
Well, I've kind of I've kind of evolved in my uh, feelings on those types of things. I mean, for, I mean, obviously, as a, for the first, you know, whatever uh, dozen and a half or whatever of the years that I was training, I was training mostly as a, to be be a bodybuilder. So I got used to using a lot of straps and um, wrist straps and so forth. But then I, of course, got into you know more hardcore strength training, you know, pure strength training, and I was thinking, okay, well, I got to get my. I found out, of course, that my grip wasn't equal to what I could pull or whatever. So I started, you know, focusing on that and thinking, okay, well, you know, the wrist straps are for bodybuilders. That's it. But now I'm coming to come around now to feeling that now that my grip has come up and so forth, I do all my deadlifting and those types of things without straps and all kind of upper back stuff, probably three quarters of the time with straps. Yeah. Um, that's that's kind of how I I go with it. I'm a bit in the same place. I mean, what made me start was when I was training for strongman. And, um, you know, after weeks and months of training for it, my grip started getting worse. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? Because I'm doing all this grip training. Why is my grip, you know, not progressing and, and getting worse? And, you know, what I did then was added in, you know, a couple days of the week, I, I'd strap up, and I actually let my hands recover. <laughs> and basically after a week or two, my grip strength shot through the roof. Um because I was actually just, you know, just the fact that it, my grip was recovering and this and that. And then I also, you know, after years of this stuff, I got aches and pains. And what I figure, you know, if I go in there and I'm squatting, I get up to 315, 405, and it's like, man, my knees hurt. Is it better for me to just, you know, the weight's feeling light, but I got some aches. Is it better for me to, to throw some knee wraps on and, and go or walk out of the gym? And, yeah. you know, my feeling is, hey, and, you know, I throw my freaking wraps on for a week or two until my knees aren't inflamed and then, Come back and do it without. Right. You so, say. I mean. Sorry, Phil. You say that you use knee wraps on occasion. You're saying. Yeah. You know, if I walk in the gym and my knees are aching, this and that, and I'll throw the wraps on and squat. Right. You know, and I I ordered a, an old school Titan has these old school pairs of wraps now. They're not the ones I got a pair here that I can get. I would literally get fifty pounds out of a pair of wraps on my squat. Mm-hmm. Um. They have this new pair that they're called the old school knee wraps or something like that. I'll get five, ten pounds out of them, and that's it. Yeah. Um, they're kind of like a juiced-up ace bandage, <laughs> and but they give me that support, and, you know, the minute I put them on, my knees stop aching, and I'm able to squat. And, yeah, maybe I need that's right. pounds, five, ten pounds, but at least I'm able to work. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm in the same boat. Work in and, you know, that's the I'd same be, thing. Like, right now, I sprained my wrist a little bit doing Highland Games, and it's like, well, I can stop training for a couple weeks, or I can throw a wrist strap on, you know. So I threw wrist straps on yesterday and got my sets in, no problem. But Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Go ahead. The first point you made, Phil, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. When I was focusing on my grip and so forth, I found myself after a few months um really stagnating with that and all, actually getting kind of a lot of, like, forearm, like, feeling and stuff, like, inflammation and tendonitis and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I found that when I kind of, again, limited my, you know, just using, using pure grip strength for things like just just things like deadlifts and so forth, but using straps, that, was, that, that kind of alleviated that problem big time. And yeah. um, as you said, my grip strength just yeah. skyrocketed. Yeah. Um, oh, I love it. I mean, I still get looks from people and questions, you know, all, I'll strap up for something, you know. I'd, maybe even deadlift days, my hands are killing me, but and people come up, well, yes, you're not doing a real deadlift, you're pulling the straps. It's like, well, you know, I, I'm i pretty secure in my grip. I've pulled 950 out of the rack with no straps. So, 
it's like I've earned yeah, the right to throw them on if I need to. You know, I can lift a couple hundred pounds over my deadlift. So, um, you know, it's about putting them you on. You know what I hate when people use wrist straps on bench presses? Bench presses? Sorry? Like a wrist strap? Yeah, they, they, they strap up the wrist. I've never seen that. You've never seen that? No, I've never seen anybody strap up on a bench press. Well, no, I've never seen that a lot, but I've seen it probably a dozen times. Wow. Over the years, and I, I never really quite understand that. If, wouldn't you know it? The guys who are usually doing that are the 130-pound guys that look like they just walked into the gym that day. They wear yeah. three different belts and headbands and leg warmers. <laughs> <laughs> but Ronnie, what, what, what's your kind of take on knee wraps for uh, for for your training? Yeah, I use them. Uh, I have really little joints, and frankly, I have small hands. Now, Rob, I know you don't have giant like pie plate hands necessarily either, um, but my hands can be sort of a weak link. If I'm doing like bent rows and if I want to go, you know, I know you guys probably snicker, but 275 or 315 in a bent row, I, I, my hands are a weak link. I have got to get break out the straps. And I, do I do that every time? Hell no. I think this is like our rule over the past couple episodes. If you're being a wuss, you know, don't use them to wuss out. You use them to either enable training when you're sore or to actually go heavier. Like, my lats are saying, give me more. And my little hands are like, I can't. Well, that's pathetic. So I'm going to break out the wraps. If I, you know, but, or sometimes you guys are talking about like inflammation. Sometimes even when you're just doing pull downs, when I do the pull down machine, like at the end of a back workout or something, my forearms get so pumped. I almost can't hold the bar. And that sounds funny, but you know, it's got to be done. I got to break out the wrist straps. Uh, because, and again, you're kind of dealing with that, you know, that sense of sw- inflammation or even if it's just sort of a, a painful pump and it doesn't happen a lot, but, and I don't know if you guys have experienced that, but sometimes your forearms almost get like a painful pump, you know, you're like, you can't close your hand all the way, you know? Real yeah. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, I'm a bigger guy than you, but if you look across the mastodons and whatnot, like, oh, we had pounds going on there, nine inch wrists and crap like that, you know, my limbs are, are fairly small and long <laughs> and, and the things that take beating on me are my elbows and my my knees and you know i'm putting up some good weight for a guy with my build and you know it's like it's like you said i mean i use them to enable further training and you know i don't go in there and throw my wraps on to give me 50 pounds and call it a new squat pr you know, it's not but um you know it, it enables me to get stronger and unload those knees when i need to and let them come back and get healthy and yeah, knee, knee wraps are a, a big, a big thing with me. I always, when I go heavy in the squat, well, like you know, yesterday, you know, I was squatting my knee, my knees, I haven't had a lot of injury problems with my knees. They were just a little achy and I just felt like I wasn't going to be maximally strong unless I wrapped, you know? And so I wrapped up and three, three fifteens going up and down a dozen times, no problem. Three sixty five. Woo. And you know, I start getting into it then because it's just sort of enabling me to put that extra tension on my quads and my glutes and my hamstrings, you know, my whole, my whole thigh, you know, when I'm, I'm not going to have my little knees be the weak link, I guess. So just like you, it's a lot of, it's a body shape thing. Yeah. You know, I've always found knee wraps to be a hindrance for me in my squatting. I actually think that they wreck my squat. Really? I think I lose weight when I put knee wraps on. I could see that. Potentially. Oh. I mean, I know all that. The people think I'm crazy. I throw a belt on when I'm deadlifting. I'm a. Uh, I don't belt up when I deadlift. I've pulled 725 in a competition. Should be around 750 now. If I put a belt on, 
my best is like 615. Really? <laughs> yeah. If I wow. felt that. I can't get in the position I need to get in. Um, it just binds up. I've got this short torso, and it, it just hurts and binds up on me, and I can't get down there. But hmm. yeah. Well, so, I've I actually mean, heard many times that a lot, um, you know, it, in powerlifting competitions, you know, for things like squat to, you know, cinch the thing as much as you can, right? So you can barely can't, can't even breathe. Yeah. But I've heard a lot of things um, talk about, you know, in the deadlift, it's not yeah. such a good idea to cinch your belt yeah. as tightly as you can. Uh, I've heard that many times in a lot of powerlifters actually saying that, that you put it on tight, but not quite as tight as you would your squat. Well, I'm I'm in that camp for even people that learn how to train with a belt, because I think most people don't know how. Um, when I first put a belt on somebody, I make it to where my fingers will still fit in the belt, and then I force them to, they have to learn how to use a belt and push out against it first, because um, mm-hmm. if not, they end up, they end up all sucked in with their air up in their chest and they're getting folded over. You've got to learn to get mm-hmm. that air down in your belly and, uh, but, no, I mean, I've tried it. I, I've tried it I don't know how many times. I've thrown a belt on in various ways, and it just doesn't work for me. So I always, you know, I always put the deal up when I put a, you know, pull something huge, just like raw and beltless, and people are like, well, you know, that doesn't count because you can't freaking deadlift with a belt. But <laughs> like, well, that's okay. But. You know, Phil, you you said that you said you were talking about uh, like your knee wraps or glorified, you know, ace bandages. That's the other thing too. When I wear a, a belt, I don't wear a powerlifter type belt in the gym usually. I'm just I'm talking about a leather bodybuilder style type belt. And my leg, I think my uh, or rather knee wraps, I think they're like 15 years old. I'm not sure they do much at all. <laughs> so it's it's not like it's I'm going to add. Uh, 50 or 100 pounds on my squat with what I'm doing. I'm trying to compress my patella against, you know, the the rest of my leg and, and just basically build some pressure, whether it's a belt or the knee wraps, and just hold the whole thing together, really. Exactly, and that's essentially all it does is it makes that patella ride in this groove a, a bit better, and, you know, that's, that's all I'm getting out of mine. I mean, like I said, I have those other ones that I've thrown on before because I was training for a competition that allowed them, and I was like, well, let's see what I can do with them. And, you know, I literally added 50 pounds to my squat. Um, what do you think about um, you guys think about wearing with gloves? I don't like it. Uh, no, I've never done it, and I never will. Um, I can't condone that. Well, I, I'm only bringing this up because just the other day somebody was asking me if I ever trained with gloves, and I said, "Yeah, I tried it once when I was about 17, and I never did it again because yeah. training with gloves is like having sex with a condom. It just just ain't as good, man." <laughs> nice. I don't know. You, I'm a firm believer. You need to be attached to to the to the bar or what you're lifting, you know, and directly exactly. through your hands. Um, I don't know. I mean, you meet a guy and you know that he lifts and he lifts with no gloves. I mean, you shake their hands and there's some some substance there. <laughs> and, uh, but I mean, I, I've also seen people. You know, you throw on gloves. I've done it working in the yard. I'll throw on a pair of freaking gloves and I go shoveling and I actually get worse blisters because there's this piece of fabric moving between me and the object and it's just tearing my hands up and I see people do it. It just shifts it around. Yeah, it's just something in there. I've seen people do it lifting. They're wearing gloves and they go and lift and the glove slides between the skin and the bar and it rips their freaking skin off. Um, Whereas if they just take the time put a month or two in, you're going to get natural... Your your hands are going to build up to where they're not going to be that way. So... Yeah. But, I, I want to switch gears for a minute here and, and go back to the machine thing. What do you guys think of the whole debate versus what is safest for somebody who's a novice lifter, a lifter of free weights or machines? I mean, the common thought is machines because, of course, they're not you know put, put placed in a position where they have to 
you know, stabilize the bar and so forth. But, you know, I've always made the argument as well that machines can be more damaging in that no matter how many positions a manufacturer can, you know, build it into the machine to readjust the seat and the handles of this sort of thing, you know, we're all so individual in just the way we are. We're structured mechanically that you can never get yourself in the, in the, into a perfect kind of biomechanical, you know, yeah. quote, groove to do a machine properly no matter, you know, and what, what do you guys think with that? They're too isolating, you know. I don't think people are meant to move like that. You're never going to get a machine that will put you in an anatomic correct position. Yeah. You know? so you, and and teach you how to move through space, you know. Rob, you had mentioned you mentioned about people doing stuff badly, you know, and I mean we could pick lots of lifts to do that, but I think in some ways machines almost encourage that because if it doesn't feel just right for your body type, I mean think about guys who use like the uh, – I don't know, just off the top of my head, like a preacher curl, a machine preacher curl. They'll start flaring their lats and rocking back and forth and you're like, well, what are you doing, buddy, you know, and – and the point of the machine, I, I think, is to sort of get a pump and just feel your biceps. You know, there may be a, a, a time for that at the end of your workout if you want to do a burnout or something like that. But, yeah, people are trying to use it as their main stuff. I think I bet, you know, I don't have any evidence of this, but I bet if you look across the board, there are more injuries in gyms on machines than there are free weights. Because, I don't know, the, the machines give you some self, some false, confidence about them that their mind well, I definitely think work hard on that because I mean certainly people um, I think are more apt to use excessive weight on a machine than they were a free bar yeah, yeah. for sure I mean you know and more give people you are going to 500 pounds on a leg press and they're going to be on a, on a squat bar yeah. you get this false sense of security that it's you know it's, you're not going to get hurt you're just going to work hard whereas you know you have to be mentally engaged to do any exercise with free weight. It'd be to put a bar on your back, press a weight over your head or anything else. You know there's some kind of skill involved there. And you've got to earn your right kind of way up there. I mean, I've never seen somebody walk into the gym and just think they can press 315 over their head. <laughs> you know, it's, they'll go in and grab the bar and try it out first. But, uh, yeah, so. Yeah, Rob, you asked earlier. I was just going to say, Rob, you asked earlier about Stuff that we've we've seen people doing really badly, uh, and I, I I think machines probably are sort of a culprit. You know, uh, I, I I can't really think of anything specifically other than you know the way people are so abusive with some of the like arm equipment and stuff. But I mean, some of these pieces of machinery are they're they're they try to sell a piece of machinery to fit every imaginable niche, and you're like. All right, what is that? You know, this is like a, a two thousand dollar piece of equipment. What am I supposed to do with that? You know, rear deltoid. You know, Lonnie, what was that? That was in uh, that was just north of Peps uh, in Ohio, there up in uh, Talmadge. What, what was that gym called? Oh, Buckeye, I think. Yeah, that gym. I remember once I went in there, and I, I, I you probably have seen the same machine, but this is several years ago, obviously, and. I remember seeing a leg press, and it was not in there for long, so I believe that it probably got laughed right out of the gym, literally. But I went in there once, and there was a leg press, and I swear to God there was a ladder that you had to climb up the side of this thing for, for six or seven feet up into this thing and then kind of yourself into what appeared to be, you know, something that would be, would be like a space shuttle seat or something. <laughs> and it had all these rocker arms underneath, like all the rocker arms were all built, like, you know, like underneath this whole kind of, like, 
scaffolding like structure and you'd press this thing and it'd have like, you know, several rocker arms moving these plates through the bottom. It was just the most, to this day, in 25 years of training, it's the most absurd thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, like you literally climbed a ladder up the side to get into this thing. And I only saw it there once and then it was gone. So I do remember that vaguely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. I just thought of another really cool machine. I, I, if you could, uh, qualify it as a machine that I got to use at, um, John Godinez Center. It's, um, Kaiser has these power racks now that have a pneumatic system and it has pneumatics that hook up to cables running on the track. So say you unlock the squat, unrack the squat bar, you can back up and move like eight foot backwards, eight foot forwards, and the cable always pulls directly down no matter where you move. And then there's pedals off to the side. You can step to the side and hit plus or hit minus, and it pneumatically adds more weight to the bar. But the bar mm. is able to move back and forth and sideways in, in space. At all times. Yeah. So unlike a band, like with a band, if you if you come off center, you do have the band place wrong, it's pulling you forward or it's pulling you backwards. This thing will sure. actually move to where it's always pulling directly down. Um, pretty sweet machine. Mm. And you can, you know, you can automatically say you got, I don't know, you put two plates on the bar and add 200 pounds of pneumatic pressure. You can squat on a few reps and then without unloading the bar, just hit the button. It takes you five seconds to drop down 50 pounds, go for a couple more reps. It's pretty sweet. Thing. That could be handy. Yeah. yeah. You know, I want to be made known to the listeners. I don't think any of us are, are you know, um, decrying that you know, machines or, or their usefulness in certain applications. I mean, you know, all three of us have probably used everything under the sun at some time or yeah. other. Um, and like I said, there's there's application for these things um, in in different scenarios and different, you know, times of the year and different, you know, purposefully. And, and we're talking about, you know, how a lot of, like, you know, newbies and people who don't know what they're doing can easily jump on a machine and just, you know, of course, they'll probably do it wrong, but, you know, it's it, it, at least on in theory, it's easier for a beginner. But you know what? There is a certain art to be able to use certain machines um, well and be able to nuance your actual, you know, um, you know, movement to optimize what you're trying to do on it. And I go back to what I was saying half an hour ago about, like, a leg curl machine. I, I've seen, you know, leg curls done very poorly um, and leg curls done very well. Um, and I've seen much fewer of the latter. Um, and I think that can go across the board with all machines. I mean, there is a certain art to be able to do any sort of weight training, whether it be free weight or machine, well and with a certain degree of, you know, um, knowing of what you're doing and what it's for and how you can best um, manipulate um, any given machine to best suit your needs. Well, I think the deal with machines, too, is I really view them as assistance work. Um, I view that, you know, the big compound moves of the meat and potatoes, and then if you have a week this or a week that, and that machine will help fix that, then then go for it. But, I mean, most of my assistance work, then again, is done in, you know, maybe it's 8 to 10 reps, you know, this and that. And I'm not, I'm up there just getting working on, on something that's weak. But and I think machines can be great for that, you know. Or injury. Bill, do you do any sort of leg extension at all, ever? No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> do you fortress them? I think that machine probably is, results in more poor knees than squatting ever did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, that may be, if, if I had to choose one machine that's probably the worst for you, it'd be the leg press or the leg extension. I mean, the knee is not built to be... The, the, the knee joint is a 
the joint that's made to be under compression. You know, the, the joint should be pressed together while you have bar on your back or even your own body weight, whereas in a leg extension machine, that joint's getting pulled apart and you're flexing your quad under it, you know. You're actually trying to rip that joint apart and you're, you know, you're yanking that cell tendon even further, yanking those MCL, ACL, all that apart, so. Yeah. Rob, do, are are you, are you leg extending? Are you do, are you using extensions, Rob? No, I, I might jump on a machine maybe once a year for a set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for, yeah. For no other reason but to remember just. Maybe just recall how how the machine felt, you know, when I actually used it in eight, 89 or something, but <laughs> I don't yeah. really ever, ever really, you know, yeah. for a short time, maybe a dozen years ago, I, you know, thought, well, at least it's good for, you know, just maybe warming up the knees and stuff. But even that, I still don't agree with any, I don't even yeah. agree with that anymore. I, I think you just, like Phil says, I said, the best thing to warm up your knees is to just kind of do what you're going to do anyway. Yeah. Right. I agree. The leg extensions, are, they do feel hard on your knees. It's funny we're talking about this because I just added, uh, just, you know, for giggles, this fall I just do one or two sets of extension, leg extensions, like when I'm done with my real, you know, leg work. And I'll probably do it more in the spring, you know, when I'm trying to just get in shape and stuff. But even then, probably not more than two or three sets at the end, you know. But, hey, listen, you guys, I found some data here specific to what we are talking about, and it partly supports it. This is a 2010 paper, American Journal of Sports Medicine, Kerr and colleagues. 25,000-plus weight training injuries that were seen in U.S. Uh, emergency rooms. And one thing they said was a large number of injuries occurred with free weights, 90.4%. But it says the most common mechanism of injury was weights dropping on the person. So... <laughs> You know, that's going to qualify that a little bit. But then later it says, because obviously you can't drop a machine on yourself. I mean, I, I suppose in some ways. Um, it, it says persons 55 years and older were injured more using machines. Uh, I think that's interesting. Uh, I mean, that's when you compare them to, to younger people. And I don't know, maybe it's because, again, like we said, those machines are forcing them into sort of weird movement patterns. Um Persons using free weight sustained a greater proportion of fractures and dislocations than people using machines. But again, I, you know, it's hard to tease apart this data because again, when weights are dropping on people and that's the main way free weights hurt you, then, well, that's not fair. <laughs> so and you anyway. also have to re- remember as well, to use your word teasing out the day, if you look at the amount of people that you're saying about dislocations and this sort of thing with free weights, you're probably talking about guys who are more advanced, who are actually using free weights more in, a, in an athletic, you know, endeavor, and actually, you know, so it, it's probably not fair in that regard either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen. No, yeah, those weights fall on you. I got a toe I broke with a five-pound weight. I never do five pounds. It's so heavy. I dropped it and landed <laughs> right on my freaking toe. Yeah, you know, the heaviest dumb plate I've ever dropped on my toe was a 10-pound plate, and let me tell you something. Oh, Absolutely. Horrible. Really yeah. do not realize how much <laughs> six feet down to your toe. Yeah. My, well, my pounds, terminal velocity, it's moving, man. <laughs> well, that's why you guys sound like big babies. <laughs> 35 pound plates, I mean, that would just shatter your toe. Shatter. Oh, yeah. oh, it would. Yeah. It totally would. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not, not fun at all. When I tore my tri, <laughs> when I tore my triceps, the weight started plummeting toward my freaking forehead. And if I didn't have a grad student spotting me, I, 
I'd be slurring <laughs> during this podcast. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to talk right. I don't know. Yeah, I could see how it could be bad. Well, listen, um, my phone is dying here, so if I if I disappear, you know why. Um, but before I do, I want to let everybody know. Remember, we're talking about you know we don't often use machines, but when we do, we prefer this or that. So if you want to call in for the contest, again, we've got some sweet. I've got some real high end textbooks here. Uh, I'm going to work on some coffee mugs and shirts and stuff. So just start off your call two zero six two zero three three seven nine eight. Or drop Fortress an email because uh, it goes to his email, I think, through the Iron Radio site. But and just start off with I don't I don't often use machines, but when I do, I prefer. And then you can win some sweet stuff. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of things like um, I've never understood that some of those tricep machines and so forth because it, it's almost like you know the, the kickback thing. It's like you're put in a position where you can't fully maximize the poundage that you could normally use just because of the angle of it and you're, you know, you're, you're spending all your energy just trying to keep your shoulders down on those types of machines. Sometimes I wonder about these people who design these machines. Like you were saying 10, 15 minutes ago, Lonnie, like, you know, they, they, try, they try and build a machine for every conceivable thought of, you know, uh, every movement and every, you know, flexion that a human body can do. But sometimes it seems like the people who are designing them are more interested in just, yeah, making them look interesting for newbies than actually, you know, um, being productive for somebody who knows what they're doing. Oh, yeah. I agree. Here, I've got another one we can add into this contest, Lonnie. Okay, sweet. Send us the picture of the oddest machine you've ever seen, and That'd we'll look at them all, and whoever, whoever wins it, I'll get them an Iron Radio T-shirt. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I wish I had a picture of that one I told you, that lay press apparatus. <laughs> Yeah, I vaguely remember that. Just bizarre. Treadmills the other day that were this treadmill. It was literally it looked like tank tracks. I mean, the treadmill base was three and a half feet tall, and that was where the the track ran. And it was like eight feet long, and you climb up this ladder and get in this thing, and then you have a vest you put on, and you're strapped four point to the treadmill, and then they turn the damn thing on and you run. <laughs> Wow. Strapped in and then you're running. So if you fall down, you just kind of get drugged a little bit, then you got to get up and uh, I don't know. Then they launch you into orbit. Sounds like a treadmill before you earn the right. Yeah. You got to walk before you can run. You got to sandpaper your face a few times on a treadmill. (laughs) God knows I'm not sure how I wiped out really bad on a treadmill years ago. Uh, and that thing pushed me off the back of it by my with my face. So, oh wow, that's harsh. <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah, that's what happened to Fortress. For a handsome guy like Phil or something, you just can't tolerate that. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it's that I couldn't go on. No, I'd have to end it. I'd have to end it. But. All right. I wish I had a big list of cool things, but I, I can't think of. Uh, you know, any other super cool or, or incredibly bizarre machines. Although I do vaguely remember that one Rob was talking about because it absolutely looked like something from some NASA research study or something. Now, you know, for us, for those of us who, who uh, you know, started training maybe in the 80s, because by, by that point, a lot of the stuff I'm about to describe was starting to go out of vogue, but there were still a lot of gyms at that time that had, you know, those remnant pieces of all those kind of like, 
Um, you know, remember all the hy- hydraulic stuff with it? We would actually have like hydraulic like gauges on it and stuff. Right. Yep. Pressurizing the machines and stuff, and those those were particularly annoying and stupid. Just so gimmicky. People are so down on dietary supplements. But I mean, the workout equipment becomes so hokey, and a lot of it's. Let's not even get into the home workout equipment stuff, which is just redonkulous, you know. And like you said, they're just trying to fill a marketing niche more than they are a, a valuable physiological function. So. Yeah, I got a shaker weight given to me as a going away present. You got what? I got one of those shaker weights given to me as a going away present. Oh boy, have you seen the? <laughs> oh yeah, I've seen those. I have no. You gotta go on YouTube and look up Shaker Weight. It's a <laughs> yeah. brilliant, a brilliant piece of equipment. Yeah, it, it, it's it almost looks profane somehow. <laughs> yeah, it does. So, I'm gonna have to use it. If they give you a six week protocol. I figured I might try it. And <laughs> six minutes a day, three days a week for six weeks to your biggest tricep or something like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna see what it does to my bench. I'll blog all about it. Now watch you get all awesome and huge and powerful, and we'll all be fools. They got me the women's shaker weight, so it's a whole, like, four and a half pounds. But man, this guy is getting ripped, and he's huge. But um, You're going to have arms like Greg Valentino. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think we're done. Yeah, I think we're done, too. <laughs> We're going nowhere with this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right, talk to you guys later. Thank you. See you later. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like Iron Radio, if you like what we do, uh, the education, interviewing uh, industry personalities, or many of the pro bodybuilders or coaches that we've had in the past. Uh, please just click on the donate button at www.ironradio.org and make a donation. We've had some great donations from people that have kept us going. Thank you so much. Uh, so please visit uh, the website, click on the donation button, or if you like, uh, and it's a similar situation, buy some Iron Radio cool stuff. We've got T-shirts and mugs and things like that, and those things help support the site and keep us on the air. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.